Cross it in, looking for Garza, backside and in for the first goal in Atlanta United history from Yamil Assad. Take a look at history. Hi, all five star final. JCM Jones from Dirty South Soccer and elsewhere. Joe Patrick from Dirty South Soccer, 19 out of game, and other places as well. We, we, we wear many hats, Joe Patrick. Uh, but tonight, tonight, the hat is a party hat. Did you like that transition? Oh, that, that was nice. Because Elaine United, big winners tonight. Pity Martinez, big winner tonight. Uh, two nothing win over long time, long time boogeyman, DC United, Joe Patrick. Yeah, it was fun. I mean, the game was um the game had a lot of chances. I it's kind of hard to talk about like exactly how exciting it was. I mean, I DC sat back quite a bit, but um but I I enjoyed myself for one. I thought the the beginning of the game was pretty open mm-hmm. and uh, you know, Atlanta just kept pouring on the pressure at the end there and um finally it paid off and a, a nice result also helps you feel much better about what you just saw. So, I'm feeling pretty good. Yeah, that thing was geared kind of from the beginning towards one of those games where either Atlanta was going to snag a late goal or it was going to be something just really disappointing and kind of fluky, right? Like yeah. either DC was going to hit on the counter or it was going to end a nothing-nothing draw and everyone's going to go, well, that was stupid. We can't score goals, even though the right. chances were, were definitely there tonight. Um, and DC created a few themselves, but mm-hmm. I think – I think it's more Atlanta just getting caught napping a couple of times. I mean, you have 70% possession. I think it's somewhat understandable if you get kind of maybe not acceptable, but understandable if Mm -hmm. you get burned a couple of times on, on the counter against some pretty quick DC United players, especially up top today. So see, but all in all the game made sense to me. Yeah, totally. And uh, something I like just to kind of jump right into kind of the, the meat of, uh, of the analysis here is that I think just when playing in this three, five, two, I think it gives the center backs, um, it gives them a feeling like they can press higher and be more aggressive and try to win the balls back, uh, knowing that they have a guy like a miles Robinson behind them who can just kind of sweep up and take and, you know, just clean up any, any miscue they might have. So I think to me, that kind of makes the game much more exciting because you're seeing Atlanta playing for higher up the field and just, generally being more aggressive in the tackle, being more aggressive and trying to recover the ball, um, especially at the back. And I think we've always, you know, I think we've talked about on the show before that, you know, part of what made Atlanta United so much fun under Tata Martino, especially was, you know, just that the way that they kind of just played on the edge of danger, you know, Mm -hmm. and that's the only way you can really kind of have that great fun attack is if you are kind of, you know, living by the, the skin of your neck on the, on the other end of it, on the, on the defensive side. And I think that, you know, that's not something that De- Frank DeBoer necessarily wants or wanted at the beginning of the season. But I think that, you know, now we're starting to see a little bit more of that aggression. It's just making for a more fun product. Even if the result didn't go Atlanta United's way tonight, I think that you still would have seen, you would, you would have been like more happy after that result than you would have been than you were maybe against like the Philadelphia Union earlier this season where you know it was just more boring. Yeah, no, I would have been, I would have defended it for sure. For sure. It was just uh I was never bored. And being bored yeah. has been somewhat of a thing, especially in the first part of the season. But you're exactly right. The center backs do push up. You have the athleticism back there. 
I was just thinking while you were saying that, that, you know, you maybe can't take as much of a risk with that. If you have Parker's back there, you just kind of lose some athleticism, right? True. Yeah. But that back three of, of Franco and LGP and Escobar or LGP and uh, Miles, excuse me. That's about as athletic as, as you're going to get in MLS, right? That's, that's true. Yeah. That's a good point. I, I wonder how many, yeah, how many, how many center back kind of trios there are in MLS that are that physically gifted. It's nice to have a guy like Franco Escobar who can play right back and center back. Although, mm. you know, he wasn't perfect tonight by any means. No. But, you know, I think that just just his physical traits give you a lot. Give you, it gives you a lot of room for error, I guess, in that position if he's playing in a three. But, but you know, you, when you watch him play, you understand why. Like, there's no way he can be a center back in a, in a two. Not that he's really needed to be mm. a center back in a two for this team, but... um He's kind of clearly only good as a center back in a back three, but that's fine. If, we're, if they're going to play like this, that's that's great. I think he he provides a lot. And I really thought about him a lot um, in Atlanta United's win over the Houston Dynamo, where we saw Michael Parkhurst making so many runs uh, forward, which was kind of startling, um, just considering it was Parky. But to see him kind of making those underlapping runs, I guess is what I would call them, you know, just mm-hmm. kind of like inside of Gressel even. Um, we didn't really see that as much from Franco today. And that probably part of that, you know, was obviously the fact that we were playing against uh, a Houston Dynamo team that had 10 men. But um, I think that Franco can offer that from that position. And yeah, I think he's uh, he really helps solidify the back line. And Atlanta United is looking, uh, I don't are they looking as good as we've seen them this year? Yes. They went on that long, they went on that long winning streak and it was hard to tell whether they were good or not during that. It was, we, we were definitely excited. We thought we the were. defense was there. Right. And there were a few games where sporting in particular comes to mind where they came out and dropped three on them. And it, it seemed somewhat kind of like a return to, from what we kind of expect, but it didn't seem like a vintage performance. I don't think like maybe not a 2017, 2018 kind of, sure. kind of win where we really felt completely in control. And I, I think the last two games have felt very 2018, 2017 with little, little, little notes, little notes of Frank DeVore kind of sprinkled in there. Right. Mm-hmm. Which I think yeah. is, is, is exactly what you want. You want that same kind of chemistry. You want that same kind of makeup that you saw in a team that, that won MLS cup with most of the same pieces, but whatever Frank DeBoer can inject kind of onto it. Right. It's, it's like an artist uh, stealing and kind of making something his own. You, you want to see that same concept be applied to, to soccer. Yeah. Right. And this is this is kind of what we're getting right now. This is a very uh, possession based, fun kind of thing that that's kind of a nice mix. And if it continues to kind of grow that way and that becomes this team's identity, it's very exciting because, Joe, a week ago I was sitting here being like, what what the hell is this team trying to do? Right. What are they? What are they? Right. And all it took, it seems like, is a little formation shift. And all of a sudden we, we can see. A path. It's not there yet, right? But the path is apparent, and that's that's all you can ask for over these two games, especially going into the hardest stretch of the year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it's it's especially impressive given the fact that you're still like Frank DeBoer is still not he still doesn't have his full squad available to him. You know, he's playing with Justin Miram as a left wing back. He's playing Brandon Vazquez up top, and granted, he could have played Pitti today, but he decided to play Vazquez there. But still, like we're not seeing 
Atlanta United performing with all of its pieces. So, you know, basically that means that, you know, there, there's still a lot of untapped potential for this team and especially in this formation. So, um, yeah, it's it's good to see. It rem- and it reminds me what you were saying is it reminds me of what Frank DeBoer said at his introductory press conference this season, which is that, you know, that the. I forget how he fra- how he phrased it. Like the hardware was there, but it needed some software upgrades or something like that. Something, some <laughs> iPhone thing sure. that, that you know when you, you when you hate uh, having to add the new software and then it screws everything else up. Mm-hmm. Um, and it seems like now we're getting the patch where it's like, okay, we're kind of going back. We changed too much. We're going back to a little bit. We're gonna make your apps work again. Um, and it's it feels like the players are much more comfortable in the setup. And I think it just unlocks a lot of. Um, it unlocks a lot of the best traits of the players in um in this setup. Yeah, I think out of the, the three central too. midfielders, it allows them to be right. exactly what they want to be and do what they want to do and actually control the middle of the field, control possession. It allows Joseph to kind of play wherever he wants, to be honest, especially when he has a guy like Brandon Vasquez next to him. Now we'll see mm-hmm. how that works, you know, if uh, Pitti Martinez is playing up top next to him or whatever. But, you know, I think it just ex- it, 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 it unlocks a lot of this team's potential playing in this formation. It's something he said the night too, and he said it against Houston as well, I believe. Where, you, especially with regards to Gressel, I think was the context for some of that anyway. But mm-hmm. it's clear that everyone on the field feels a little more comfortable, uh, including and maybe most importantly right now, Joseph Martinez, who looked very much like himself today, despite a dumb penalty miss. But whatever. Yeah, you know, I mean. It's crazy. He could have had. I mean, if he makes the penalty, you could you could make an argument. He could have had like three or four goals. I mean, yeah, I mean, he makes a couple of really good saves. Yeah, you know? yeah. And he maybe could have aimed it a little more toward the corner, but there were a couple of really good saves. And it, it, but the weird thing about this to me, and something I think is very objectively funny, is that <laughs> do, do you remember speaking of that first kind of introductory conference with with Frank DeBoer? And it, it's something that has irked me for a majority of the season. And it's something that has really frustrated me about Frank DeBoer up until now is the, the evolution, not revolution comment. Right. Uh And for some reason, it seems like instead of just going from point a to point B to do that, we've somehow had to go like 40 steps backwards, take a left, (laughs) do a loop to loop, uh, throw, throw, throw yourself around a little bit. And somehow, somehow, it's like the ways took us the wrong route and we've somehow ended up at the same place just very, very late and maybe too late, but still somehow we're there. We're yeah, there. It wasn't, wasn't there a, wasn't there a Google Maps like catastrophe where it was like telling it was taking people the wrong way and stuff after after an update? Yeah. So this was it. For some reason the, the update just took a second to sort itself out. But now we're kind of getting the, the evolution, not revolution. Just, you know, it's freaking july (laughs) (laughs) it's so funny how these things happen because i remember when tata was here i was all about not playing a a back three i wanted the four three three or the four two three one i always felt like we were lacking um midfielders essentially uh that we kind of lose that battle and the the three didn't actually made the team less aggressive it did they actually pressed they did not press as high up the field in the back three. And it makes mm-hmm. sense. Most teams don't press as high up the field in a back three because, you know, it's harder to organize a, a, a back line, an offside trap with three defenders than two. But I think that 
in the way that the three is playing, at least what we've seen these last two games. And again, it's really hard to take a ton away from the Houston game in this respect. But I think that, you know, what you're seeing is you're seeing a back three, but one of those guys, typically the outside center backs are stepping up and they're almost playing like another midfielder, at least Mm -hmm. like, you know, they're just trying to win the ball. Um, So it's kind of a more aggressive version of it. And uh, it's more like what we're accustomed to seeing here. So I think it's all good. Yeah. And this is like, like, it's something that like, if you had told me that like two games in, this is what the team looked like, right? You know, at the Mm -hmm. beginning of the year, I'd be like, oh yeah, that makes, yeah. Back three, doing that kind of thing. Oh, little (laughs) tweaks here and there. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That's what we, that's what we should be doing. Yeah, but, but no, you wouldn't have just, been as impressed now at this point in the season. You know, uh, he wanted. Okay, he, yeah, <laughs> this is this is the prestige. This is the this yeah, is the, the prestige going on, right? <laughs> like, look at it now. You had to work for it. <laughs> and everyone's exactly. mind's blown, right? What's terrible about this is it's you know it's all going to work out right, and everyone's going to be like, "Well, showed you DeBoer haters and everything like that. Like there weren't just actually just miserable problems going on at the beginning of the year. Um, <laughs> and that's going to like give some stupid dude on Reddit to, to add us and be like, yeah, look at these idiots at DSS. But you know what? Look, if it, if this was the, if this was the road we had to take to get here and it eventually ends up with us doing something special again, fine, whatever. Yeah, I mean, here here's the thing. It kind of it, so when Frank DeBoer came, you know, obviously after the first couple bad results, there was all the outcry that you know he should lose his job or whatever because of it. And I think that like you know we've talked about it a little bit, but we haven't really seen the evidence of what this team could turn out to be at at its at its peak. And we I, honestly, we still haven't seen it at its peak, but we're now starting to finally, I think, see kind of the upward trajectory of this team as, as it heads into the playoffs. And um, this is why you don't fire a coach after they, you know, lose a few games at the beginning of the season, because, you know, to be perfectly honest, I think that a lot of fans probably had a better idea of what this squad is capable of than a new guy coming in who, you know, I'm sure you watched some film and stuff, but like, you know, Atlanta United fans had watched a lot more of this team than Frank DeBoer had when they came in. Now I'm not saying that, well, normally that's like never the case, right? Like you like, here's our first college football reference. How long did we make it? 20 minutes? <laughs> um, let's see. But like if you watch like the, the coaches room things like during the big like college football playoff games and stuff like that, mm-hmm. they're seeing things you will never, ever, ever see in your life, right? To, yes. to like obviously show how much they dwarf you. And I, I'm sure when you're watching games with, with big time, you know, coaches and stuff like that, they're seeing things you aren't. But at the same time, like, there was just such a level of familiarity with, with what the fan base kind of understood about the teams and everything like that, that you're right. It, it's, it's kind of hilarious, but like you're honestly, I think you're on the right track, but the level of familiarity was just not there. And something I remember about Tata was that coming in, he had the, he had the Mitt Romney binders full of MLS teams uh, thing going on, <laughs> right? Where like he had yeah. researched and done all this stuff and, and you never quite got that sense from Frank. And I, I, I know. Yeah. Mentioned something about not having watched that much MLS yeah. and which was just, again, bizarre. Like, dude, what are you doing? But um, <laughs> yeah, it's but almost yeah, like you didn't want to ask him questions that were too detailed about MLS or whatever, because you didn't want to, you know, make, you didn't want to put him in a spot where he would sound like an idiot. 
not yeah. not that I'm saying I did that, but like you almost felt that way. Like uh like you you knew he hadn't studied as much as he could have before a test or something. But you know, he's probably hired in a pretty hasty fashion, I would have thought, sure. you know. I I don't know any details about it, but um mm-hmm. who knows how much MLS he'd actually seen or or kind of, you know, I don't think he I, I think he came to MLS Cup final and that was his first game, I think. Okay, gotcha. Maybe me, don't well, quote me on look, that. Like um, you know, Joseph's comments this week, right? Joseph was spot on. And Joseph said something that we've been saying for a long time and that the fans have been saying for a second that like Atlanta has had an identity since the beginning and that identity has clearly worked. And so when it got tweaked too much, you know, it, it was it felt unnatural. Right. Yeah. And now it's coming back to it. Now it's coming back to what that was. And again, with just minor influences from Frank DeBoer that I think will hopefully benefit the team in the long run and be very positive. But, but again, Joseph said that, you know, this is not the way we play. And, and now they're playing that way. And that's huge. Right. And it, but again, it's something that I think everyone but Frank kind of knew. Right. Which is weird to say, but if he figures it out, great, let's do it. Yeah. Specifically when I, when I talk about the the fans kind of knowing more about the team, it's, I I think specifically it's like the traits of the players and like what they're good at, what their strengths and weaknesses are. And I feel like when a new coach comes in, they, they, I I think they don't even want preconceptions about it. Like they want to have like a clean slate and evaluate the players and make a determination on how, you know, that player from what they see in training can, can mm-hmm. fit their what they want to do tactically, which and it's just taking some time to kind of figure that out. Which, which in a sense, is how we end up with Miles Robinson, which is great. Yeah, right? for sure. Like, I'm not sure if Miles is Miles if five thousand charts. That's that's a huge if, right? Like, that's complete conjecture. But you wonder if it just took a new kind of viewpoint on him to realize what he could do and be effective with, right? Yeah, totally. So that's I mean, where that new kind of eyes comes in and does really really well but also like you said it, it kind of it kind of hindered some things i know people are going to hit back at you for that take because you know they'll they'll say that miles robinson started and started in this game and that game whatever and that's true you know i think tata did um you know he, he he would play miles he wasn't afraid to play miles uh in a back three but he never started or probably even came in and as an made an appearance in a back two for tata in his career so yeah, I think you're spot on with that. It's a good job. Yeah, and again, it, it, it's 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 a guess. That's a total hypothetical. Please don't add don't me. back down. Like, don't it, it wasn't don't that serious. No, but like <laughs> maybe, maybe it's true. Maybe it's true. I don't know how insightful it is, but maybe it's true. You know. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Joe. Should we get some questions? Sure. Hmm. Gabe. That tweets by Gabriel. What a terrible handle, Gabe. God, do we have to shame Gabe into having a better did handle ch- again? Did he change? Oh, yeah. Yeah, didn't it used to be even worse? It was worse, yeah. I can't, I can't remember what it was. It had, I'll like, X's in there. It was, like, a Super Bowl. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. I couldn't even read it because, um, anyway. Anyway, Gabe told me that, um, speaking of the Super Bowl, that uh, his birthday was on the, um, the uh, 28-3 Super Bowl. He's a Falcons fan. Um, so I just wanted to remind him of that and hope he's listening. Anyway, uh, he asked, Hey, so why does Joseph do that silly jumpy thing on PKs? Uh, dude, I don't know. Have we, have we ever figured this out? Didn't Felipe write something like, can we, can we illuminate some things here for, for the people on, on Joseph's PK mentality? Um, mentality? Like what, what why, is that? why he does it? I don't know. I mean, 
I see him taking penalties every day when we're at training. He's taking them literally before every training session. Everybody else will be kind of like hanging out by the water table, like kind of just like talking. Maybe one or two people will have a ball at their feet, but it's mainly just like people kind of hanging around before, uh, you know, the whistle blows and they start doing actual team stretches. But while they're doing that, Joseph is just off by himself at the goal. We walk right behind the goal that he's shooting at and uh, he's taking penalties. So, you know, would you like tonight. to take personal responsibility for that miss today? Because I think you said something last game about how much he practices PKs and all that kind of thing. And then today <laughs> happened. And I didn't want to make fun of you for it in person, but I feel like I'm a safe distance enough from you away now that, that I can do that. I mean, I'll be the bigger man and okay. I'll, 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 I'll be the bigger man. Take the blame. Fair enough. But Fair that's enough. because that's only because we won today. <laughs> yeah, I would not have made that joke if we had, <laughs> we had not. Um, speaking of jokes, uh, something that got memed pretty heavy today because it always memes every time it happens is, is Nagby got a note. Nagby got a note. And as always, the note is, is much more innocuous than people make it out to be, but it still turns into people making it into memes, including Dirty South Soccer. We got um, a very thorough explanation about the note today in the press conference. We did. Would you, like to, would you like to uh, illuminate that, Joe? Well, it was just like, it was too much. I mean, D- Doug Roberson of the AJC asked about it. And, you know, <laughs> I really didn't think it was something that needed to be asked. It's like very common for, you know, especially with teams who, you know, speak mixed languages or something, just to make sure everybody's on the right page of like, who's marking who when a player comes out. You know, it's like in basketball, when mm-hmm. you come out, when you get subbed out and you're like, hey, I had, uh, I had 23, you know, you mark, you, you guard him. It's like that, but you have 11 players and when a player no comes out, out, you know, you right. have guys you have to mark on set pieces and stuff like that. So that's all it was. Just a, just a piece of paper telling who everybody had. You know, you got number six, you got number four. It was no big Easy deal. Enough. Easy enough. There you go, guys. I hope I hope that, I don't know, inspires you in some way. Everyone seemed really super interested in that. Um, let's see. I, I think a couple people hit at probably the most interesting question about all of it, right? And it's something that we haven't gotten into yet, kind of surprisingly, because I think it was really the, the key part of the match is, is this sense that the Ewing theory, let's talk about the Ewing theory. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, it's something me and you both are aware of, and it's this old Bill Simmons thing back when Bill Simmons. Well, I don't know. It's, it's an old Bill Simmons thing. I'll say that. Take that for what it is. Back when um, he was relevant. Yes. That. Um, <laughs> I was going to say good, but I don't know. I, I, I haven't figured out he was ever good. Anyway. Um, the Ewing theory is this idea that the, the New York Knicks, the, the basketball team had this big star, Patrick Ewing, right? But every time he seemed to miss games or be gone, the Knicks would play better and win because they weren't trying to, to force it to this person, right? To filter it through it. And they're, I don't know. Kind of seems to be the same thing happening when when PT is not starting. And, and again, yeah. extremely small sample size. It's been two games. We're just we were just we're just pondering if this is the case, right? Right. So this is not our theory. This is not our, our idea. But there is some kind of sense that you wonder if this is the case for PT, and you wonder what Atlanta United should do coming forward, especially with with Zeke Barkett coming back. What does this team look like with with Ezekiel? 
probably playing in the next game against LAFC and, and PT being available as well. Yeah, well, I mean, I think that this, when we talk about this Ewing theories, you know, it, it's similar to Barco last season where you would watch him and you would say, you know, clearly, you know, his technical ability, like you would think, okay, this guy's very good. He should be in the starting lineup, but the team was just, for whatever reason, more effective with him, not in it. And he was pretty good as a sub coming off the bench, even though I think he gets a little bit too much credit <laughs> for his, sub- his substitute appearances. I feel like he ran, real hard. On, ran around. Ran real hard, Joe. Yeah. And when you run real hard down here in SEC country, dang it, we respect <laughs> you for it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you you wonder if something like that is the case with Pitti right now. It's it's still to be determined because we haven't really seen what he could do as a starter in this new shape um, and whether he would really be an improvement on Vazquez. And I know that that sounds silly, that sentence right there. But um, especially after Vazquez's game today where, you know, he got a lot of crap from people that I saw. I actually thought he was good. I, good is not probably the right adjective to, to describe i thought he was useful i thought he was um for a while he was kind of doing a job doing certain things he was not really doing striker things he was kind of like he was making lots of ball recoveries and i guess he was yeah. kind of he was holding up play a little bit but we should also mention that frank de called brandon vasquez a danger to the team after this game today um in mm-hmm. the 60th minute so this is just something that he says when he feels like a player needs to be subbed off which is fine um but yeah, it'll be interesting to see if Pitti can, what he can provide this team if he starts and when he starts. And to answer your question about what this team looks like when those two players are healthy and ready to start, man, I don't know because, and the main problem is not necessarily the striker position. It, that's easy. One of those guys, Pitti or Barco comes in for Brandon Vasquez. Mm-hmm. The question is, if you play, for example, Pitti, where, where Vasquez played today, then where do you play Barco? Right. Do you put him in that midfield three because if you're it, that midfield three looks really really nice right now As, like and especially when we talk about Emerson Hindman, I feel like he's a guy that kind of makes this whole thing tick like he's kind of he brings so much to the midfield that was lacking and his ability to um control the ball in very tight spaces and move forward which is obviously things that that Barco does but you know I don't know. I, I don't. I, I would be hesitant to tinker with the way this midfield trio is working right now. So that's the question. I think is eventually, do you disrupt that? I have no idea. <laughs> do you? Maybe you could play. Maybe you could play one of those guys at like left wing back. No, no, no. no I'm already off okay. that. No, you're already. Yeah, you're, you're galaxy branding it. I would not play. I would not play Justin Miram at left wing back again, though. I really did not like him there, and I don't know how hot of a take that is. I don't know if okay. people generally thought he was good or bad. I didn't think he was. I didn't. I don't necessarily think he was bad, but uh, I just think like against a better opposition, like we're playing this Friday, that will come out and try to attack. You know, I would go right at him. It's it would clearly be the weak link. So I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do at left wing back until Bello gets back. Yeah, what, I mean, what and even when it, Bello gets it, back, who knows how good he's going to be. <laughs> It's very clear that Frank doesn't care for Mikey Ambrose. Um, he said something <laughs> today that like was he was like, we really don't have any left backs. And I was like, no, Mikey's there. He's right there. We need. Like, it was so dismissive. <laughs> 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 it's, 
<laughs> and like, yeah, no, we don't know anybody like that. And like, he's just standing in the corner. I feel like just like we need we need to remind uh, him that yeah. he's a Boy Scout and he's always ready. Yes, <laughs> I don't know if I don't know if there are any Boy Scouts in in Holland though. So maybe he does, he's not aware True. of the concept. Their um, city. Oh. Yeah. Hmm. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's very interesting. Uh, it's so tough too because when you bring Zeke back, right, you are putting him into the toughest part of the season. And it's like, it's almost like you've got a whole new team going on right now, trying to, to learn how to play together again, which is tough. It's maybe not yeah. that drastic, but you, I mean, you are about to go against the best team in MLS history. Right. And putting him into that situation, I, maybe he doesn't start Friday. You know, I, I kind of like assumed it was like, this predetermined thing that, that Zeke is supposed to start on Friday. But now that I'm kind of thinking about it, I, I wonder if they're reluctant to put him into to that kind of situation. And now that I think about it, too, yeah. of course, Frank said the day he was only good for about 15 minutes. I can't imagine yeah. he'll be good for 90 on, uh, on Friday. Yeah. So I, I don't know. But going forward, it, it's a very interesting question. And but- there are so many parts of this season that are just weird. I think what Frank had to say about Barco after the game today, though, you know, lends a lot of credence to what to your point there. And that, you know, he just said that he like he didn't even want to put him in. You know, he said he was he could he was ready for 15 minutes of action. And, you know, Dion Pereira came in in the last 15 minutes, I think. Um, so he could have used Barco in that situation, but he just said he didn't want to put Barco in into a game that was just of such a high intensity. And mm-hmm. we know that the LAFC game is going to be of the highest intensity possible. So it's hard to see him. I, I think he'll probably, again, I was, so I was at the end of the day, I was surprised that he did not play very surprised that he didn't get a, a minute in this game. Um, but I think he will play in that LAFC game. I just don't think he'll start, especially since he didn't get any game minutes today. Um, but I think it's, it is something to kind of be aware of that he might be, you know, he's not going to be at his best right away because he's going to need some time to kind of get get himself up to game speed and match sharpness mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. So, yeah, well, let's let's talk about Pity for a second and just kind of him in general after today. We, you saw the video that I believe Justin Felder from Fox 5 posted of the team coming up to him after the game and just like hugs and, and even pity smiles, which is insanity. And he slaps Justin Miram really, really hard, which was kind of disconcerting. <laughs> um, and I like if I get their teammates, but if anyone ever did that to me, I would freak out on them. Um, but you know, that's it, obvious that it meant a lot. It meant a lot in the moment. It meant a lot after the game. Um, he wasn't exactly thrilled to be talking to the media after the game, but he never is but obviously meant a lot, right? But you wonder if it's enough to push him to where we've wanted him to be. I mean, it, it's a, it's a, not a pretty goal, but then it's a great assist at the very end, right? Yeah. You wonder how much it does for his confidence. Yeah. You know, I, again, it's hard to judge. It's so hard to gauge him because he's so like kind of deadpan in, in his media appearances and his responses are really bland. He kind of, he doesn't, he doesn't kind of cheese it up for anyone who tries to ask like a fun question or something like that. So mm-hmm. it's tough to read them after games, but you know, I think just by the emotion that you saw out after the goal, you know, it clearly meant so much to him. And, um, well, I forgot what your question was because, uh, Seattle just scored. 
Well, don't shoot, man. I'm behind. <laughs> oh, <Dang sorry>. <laughs> <laughs> this, wow. This me and you are both paying attention to this, this conversation right now. <laughs> that we're both watching a complete separate game. How, they, how far behind am I? Good Lord. It's like Portland just, the Portland keeper just caught the ball. Anyway. Um, um. So excited for Seattle, my favorite fan base, who is very good at jokes and very socially, <laughs> socially competent. So, so excited for them. Uh, first trip to LAFC coming up, by the way. I don't know if we need to. We might need to do a preview show for that. It's it's the biggest. It's going to be a big one. Game of the season so far, I think, probably. As far I can't as wait for it. Like the star power and everything else kind of going into. Oh, that's how Seattle scored. Well, then. Um, but, yeah, no, the, the star power, everything like that. It's, it's going to be a blast, I think. And the scary part is, though, if, if it does. Uh, it won't. It won't be as similar today to, to DC United. Atlanta will not have, you know, absurd possession numbers and everything like that. But if they do concede chances like they did today, Carlos Vela, Diego Rossi, Adama Diamande, they're they're not going to miss in the same way, right? No, not at all. And you know, I'm the thing that I'm most looking forward to in that game is to see how Atlanta deals with the pressure that LAFC is going to put them under because mm-hmm. LAFC. It is so fun to watch them just the way they hunt the ball down when they don't have it. I mean, it's an absurd counter press. It's crazy. I mean, it, like it, the first time I watched them this year, I went, you know, it's really unfair. They have 13 people out there. Yeah. That, that's <laughs> that's what really it what it feels like. like. Yeah. It, it's insane. And of course it didn't quite work out because it's Latin in the biggest game of the year on Friday, but you know, you can only do so much. They still got two a, goals in, in, at the end of it. Right. I have a question for you. What's up? Do you say Zlatan's name like that as, as like a a joke? No, because I can't. I literally can't pronounce. Oh my God, Portland! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't want to spoil. <laughs> Thank that you for not ruining that. Yeah, <laughs> Fernandez again. Fernandez scored. Wow, this is great podcasting. I'm just anyway. I'm just wondering because it reminds me of that. Um, what's the name of that movie? The uh, the one with uh, the Quentin Tarantino movie with Brad Pitt about World War II. Inglorious Bastards. Inglorious Bastards. Um, yeah. When you say Latin, it reminds me of uh, <laughs> <laughs> it reminds me of their fake Italian names. Gorlami. <laughs> yeah, Gorlami. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh no! What? Okay, what is it? Let's clarify this here. What? What is it? How do you say it, Joe Patrick? Oh, I the, well, yeah, I say Zlatan. Excuse me, Roswell in, in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. How how do, how do, how am I saying it wrong? You say it like Zlatan, <laughs> okay? <laughs> and I say it like Zlatan, Zlatan. Okay, so that sounds yeah. Like there I'm you like, go. That sounds like I'm like plotting trouble for Moose and Squirrel. That sounds like I'm the evil Russian people from cartoons. I don't that's know. how he sounds. That's that's. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's kind of it. Anyway. Uh, we'll have to maybe worry about him in a couple weeks. God, this this schedule so yeah, it won't yeah, it won't be too long. Down. Um, just absurd. So anyway, let, I, let's let's try to do a preview for that. I got some time this week. I may I may call up Alicia Rodriguez from Angels on Parade. That'd be cool. Can do about that, it's, it's a big one. It's a big yeah. one. But speaking of that, mm-hmm. we have some other content to give you guys. I did an interview with uh, with Jarrett Smith of. Soccer down here, I guess, is the out- his outlet. Used to work for 92.9, and uh, we just kind of talked about some um, media stuff, what it's like to cover the team. He now has a 9-to-5 job, but uh, he still comes to some games when he can and 
twos. We talked a lot about the Atlanta United two. So um, we're going to play that for you guys after uh, we're going to take actually a little ad break, Ooh. which I should be planning in every one of our shows that we do mm-hmm. anyway, but I just don't. And no one has gotten, mm-hmm. I haven't gotten any um, sternly voiced e- emails about it yet. So I'm just going to keep it going like that. But mm-hmm. since we have an actual break here, we'll just play an ad. Um, nice. Do you I, have I anything else to say it. before we get out of here? Yeah, I want to give some like credit to to Jarrett here and like some credence, kind of what we're about to listen to. Uh, if you want to talk twos, Jarrett's your man, right? Like him, Longshore, sure. John Nelson, that whole crew. Like that, they mo- know the most absurd soccer things that no one in the entire universe should care about. Like, why do they have opinions on players who have played two games for Lady United two? I don't know. Why do they know the commentators' names for Asheville FC? I I don't know, but they know. For some, for some godforsaken reason, and it's always really fun to hear them talk about things, even when you don't quite know what's going on, which sometimes happens with with Jared. But <laughs> I love him dearly. I hope he does his coach uh, Ed Orgeron impression because it's it's a masterclass in Cajun nonsense, um, and I'm really excited to listen to it. Yeah, well, uh, happy to share it with you guys after this quick commercial break. Even the recording device doesn't work. <laughs> All right, y'all. Joe Patrick here. That's on Brian. Five Strike Final, Dirty South Soccer, 92.9. I don't know what outlet I'm with. I'm here with Jarrett Smith. You guys are probably all familiar with Jarrett, if you're not. Um, you're he's former employee of 92.9, the game. Uh, now, who, who are you employed with now? You don't have to say their name, but... Uh, oh, I mean, I just... I, I work in sales. corporate America. Yeah. No, I work in IT now. So, I mean, been it's, there. It's, it's, it's corporate America, but it pays the bills. Yeah, been there, for sure. Um, but Jared has covered this team for a long time. Since its inception? Were you, were you doing 2017? Oh, the first year? What were you doing? So, uh, first year... I, I remember going to watch the Academy play at Pace Academy back in that wow. very first game um i mean we went to the the logo reveals and all that like yeah. when the team got, i remember watching sitting where one of my former jobs years ago sitting there watching and getting in trouble at work because i pulled up the stream to watch arthur blank land a helicopter like scrooge mcduck on a tower <laughs> and get off to announce that the team was coming i mean it was basically the worst kept secret at that point because right. everyone in mls knew what was going on right but i remember watching that then you know went to the reveals and all that and we just built our my, my wife then girlfriend now now wife we built our entire life around that in terms of sport because we we both played sports to varying degrees of success throughout our lives and this was just something that we both had fun keeping up with and it was a fun thing just to follow but i remember going and watching the academy play then and uh jackson conway was on one of those teams um got a number of kids on those teams that were really good yeah it's funny you mentioned that because I remember that day, the day you talk about when he came down in his helicopter. Degrees. Yeah, I remember that was, I was in corporate America working, watching that all go down on my compu- on my work computer, yeah. and then later on that day making my deposit for uh, my you know found what what do they call it a founders the founder club or, yeah founding members. Yeah. And then it's funny because uh, Atlanta United just played Houston Dynamo tonight. They won five nothing, um, and the last time we played Houston Dynamo at home. We were kind of earlier in the press box. Some of us were reminiscing about like where we were, 
Um, and I just remember being very drunk because I was not yet working as a member of the media, and it was my birthday weekend, and it was an awesome game, and oh, I'm running amazing goals. That was the, that was the Mickey hop. Yeah. That was the game yeah, where he got right. it stuck under his feet, and he just kind of hopped the ball in the air over a defender yeah. because he could. It was and crazy. Scored, like we were falling down. We were in the supporter section on the other end, and when you would just see his shots, it was just like you would see the ball leave his foot, but it's kind of like it's so far away. It's kind of like a you can't really tell the trajectory that's on, and then and you can't you, you couldn't even tell it was going in the goal until you saw the net just like ripple. You know, you can yeah. see the ball. Anyway, it's, it's, if you've ever like if you've ever been around a baseball that's thrown really hard, you hear that yeah sound when a yeah. ball is is just cutting through the air. That's what I always imagine that Miguel Amaron shot sounding like as it went past the keeper is just kick and yeah. then dead. Well, um, listen, so. You know, I don't know. I'll I'll attach this conversation to our uh, the podcast that I'll do with Sam. Um, That's their problem. <laughs> yeah. Sam's problem too. So we're not really going to talk so much about this game that just happened. Uh, it was a great win mm-hmm. by Atlanta United. Um, it was fun. Yeah, it was, it was fun very fun. Wasn't court. it? Yeah, it was like kind of brought back old old times. It looked like Tata Martino's team, like the way that they were kind of exploiting the flanks. Uh, Joseph left two goals on the field. I think he would tell you Nagby left a goal. They could have scored eight tonight. Yeah, could have scored eight or nine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I think I think Houston came into this game as beaten up as Atlanta was, not just physically but emotionally. And you look at the team Cabrera put out there, you're like, oh, that second goal. When Derek comes out to the team, like, oh, this is a ple- this is this is this is not a let's get back in this meeting this is a we are not losing this game eight to nothing yeah we yeah are not it was definitely a new record tonight yeah it was uh damage limitation yeah um but i want to talk to you just more in general about <laughs> this club covering this club kind of doing the weird things that me and you do that it takes <laughs> to like kind of be on the pulse of it all you know and some of that was when we would be at the training ground you know last year you were obviously working for 929 at the time but the moments that really stick out to me as, like, not to say we are, uh, you know, above anybody else that covers this team or whatnot, um, but the twos games. The twos games to me are really special because it's really kind of like the hardcore it's people. Yeah, <laughs> it's that, very intimate. Yeah, <laughs> we are in a small press box. We're watching kids play for the most part. Um, many, not, well, we don't really know if many of them, if any of them, will really make an impact for the club at the at the top level. Uh, so why do you go? Because I, it, for me, it's enjoyable. I mean, the oldest player on those teams most times is a guy like Taylor Ruthven or it's a Jack Metcalf, who are both younger than I am. Yeah. Which is, yeah, you know, know. kind yeah. of reassuring in your own mortality in a sense, but... <laughs> It, it's really fun to watch. I mean, they they have some games. They are infuriating to watch at times, I think, yeah. because they have some games where you're like, well, those guys played really well. The North Carolina game earlier this year, you know, they they took advantage of, uh, of of opportunities, and you saw Jackson Conway score a late goal, and just they just gritted out. And then you have the game like Red Bulls a week ago where um, – I faithfully tweeted to everyone, hey, y'all should go watch this. Uh, I felt so bad for you. I the, felt so bad. The guy you just signed on a homegrown deal? Uh, you've seen George Campbell. George yeah. Campbell is, oh, yeah. is a man. He's legit. Yeah. He, George Campbell's a problem. Yeah. And he will be, I think, long term. I did too. But I tweeted that out, and then they, like, what, they gave him eight goals in that game? Nine goals? Yeah, it was eight track. one. I, so I went to a, I was at a wedding that night, and I saw you, you tweet that. Because I watched the whole thing. Yeah. Oh, did you? Yeah. <laughs> so I saw you tweet that, and at the time, I was like, yeah, like I, was, I, I mean, if I, I wasn't at a wedding, I would be paying attention to this. And um, and then I remember, you know, you, I went to the wedding, and you know, 
everything happened, and it was one of those moments where I was like needing to kill time, you know, didn't want to have awkward conversations with people I kind of knew, kind of don't Why know. Why would you? So I pull up, you know, pull up the pull out my phone, and I see that it's eight one. I just immediately thought, oh no, no, not Jared. How could they do this to Jared? <laughs> Um, I, I, I carried my phone around on. My <laughs> wife was out of town, so it was my daughter and I just hanging out around the house. And I'm just carrying my phone around the house as I'm c- cooking dinner and just watching all this and just, like, <laughs> watching. And every time someone scores, there's another notification from Twitter that pops up. Some tears falling in the falling in the soup or falling in the... Uh... Chili, actually. <laughs> Chili? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, in tears, it was just, like, goal scored. Boop, boop, boop. <laughs> A couple notifications come in. Goal scored. Boop, 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 boop. A couple more. I'm like, yeah. That's fine. I didn't promise y'all a win. I just promised you George Campbell, and I delivered George Campbell. <laughs> George Campbell was there. Yeah. George Campbell was just a part of a bad day. <laughs> um, but I, I do enjoy covering the twos. They are fun to watch, and it's fun to look at some of these younger players. Um, uh, even guys you bring in who are kind of random. Uh, Bianpani kind of come, uh, comes in. Yeah. And well, that I, was impressive. When, how you just pronounced that right there. I am very impressed. I'm not even we had a long right. conversation the day that he was going to make his debut, his first yeah. game. I remember we had a long debate with one of the communication staff members about how he pronounced how you pronounce his name. Anyway, sorry, sorry. But watch guys like that. Like that guy survived Africa Cup of yeah. Nations. He's fine. Ain't nothing here. We're gonna throw at him that he's gonna be bothered by. That dude's been playing uh, uh, Africa Cup of Nations, which is <laughs> one of the most bonkers tournaments in the world. Yeah. But he um, he's fun to watch with it. It's fun to watch some of these these uh, these kids coming out of the academy, and you see guys like Kendall Edwards come out. You saw Will Crane last year get out there and play, and I thought Will Crane looked really good when he had his chances. Um, you know, you see the George Campbells, you see Wesley Dacos, who comes in on a loan, mm-hmm. and for most part of the year looks like a guy who you would think long and hard about possibly triggering a buy clause if there is one on that loan. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, he went to he went and played in the U20 World Cup for yeah. Honduras, who got smoked. But um, yeah, who didn't? I, I think it's an interesting collection of people, cl- players, especially if they have at Atlanta United too. And I think it does kind of it it it, it is a hard job for Stephen Glass to have to kind of manage, you know, everybody from the Tyler Ruthvens and the Jack Metcalfs to the up and comers to. The Guillermo Benitez, Wesley Dacuses, who are just kind of coming to this country for the first time, you know, Lauren Kissiadu is kind of, he, you know, he's been in America, but you know, they all these it's guys new. come Everything from very new. different backgrounds, as opposed to, and and they're just they're not professionals yet, you know, like they're not, like yeah, Atlanta United, the first team, also comes from varied backgrounds, but they're just, you know, they're more seasoned, they're older, they're they've had more experiences in the game, and so. That's kind of what I find interesting about it. I think it's really fun to talk to some of the guys. I wish I actually got to do it more, to be honest. Um, but just just to like kind of see them it, like go through these experiences of being a professional, often for the first time, you know. And, and sometimes it's success, and sometimes it's failure. So the night of this is actually going to be a first team story. Um, so the night of the Charleston game with the closed stadium. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, which yeah. It will I will never forget that just because uh, Chris Viermeister, who writes for Pro Soccer USA, uh, who sits on the same row as us, um, when that game went to extra time, I thought he was gonna jump out of the out of the booth <laughs> because he had he like a number of guys like Doug had driven to Charleston, seen that field, and got nope, this ain't happening, and yeah. then came home. And then have to watch 120 minutes, <laughs> and then Charleston hits the bar when Atlanta has a one-goal lead. I thought he was going to physically <laughs> die. He did not. God bless him. But 
uh, even after the game, just seeing you know the players getting interviewed and Brandon Vasquez getting you know getting ready to get interviewed. We're talking to one of the players. I think it was Miram, and Vasquez is behind us. I can hear one of the communications guys like, okay, here, how's this going to work? And you know, Vasquez is still a young guy. Yeah, he's for sure been here since 2017. He's still, I believe, in his early 20s, 21, yeah. 22. Probably, yeah, I think so. so. It, it, it is kind of a reminder of sometimes. Same with Pereira, who's 19, playing with the first team, going out there tonight and playing for a long time. A lot of these guys are still kids, and there is, I think there is kind of a, hey, here's how this is going to work post-game. They're going to ask you questions here. Because uh, he stood behind us, and you heard, and he was there when we were asking Miram questions. And Miram is, you know, is just very dry. Mm-hmm, yeah. I like him, but he's just very dry-witted and yeah. very very you know stone fixed in his answers yeah which is funny in its own right but it was kind of just kind of like funny listening to hearing this kid behind you who just scored two goals in stoppage time or an extra time excuse me uh to push his team through to the next level of the u.s open cup and he's listening and paying attention to everything because he's gonna have to get up and talk to reporters in a second and right. he wants to make sure he's ready meanwhile we're like what? I'm like, what the hell do I ask him? <laughs> yeah. Aside from the obvious, how do you feel? Right, right. 120 exactly. minutes yeah. in the rain after traveling, how do you feel? I know. Sometimes it's like you know what to ask, but you it's almost so obvious that you want to kind of go off on like a little bit of like a – you don't want to kind of ask the ob- the most obvious question because you kind of know what you think the response will be. And so, yeah, it's kind of – it's interesting. And I hadn't, so I wasn't there that night. I forget where I was. I, I must have been out of town. I've been doing some traveling this summer, which has been annoying. But um, uh, not to anybody whose wedding I was at or baptism I was at. That was all very great. Um, <laughs> not a flowery branch, because that's always fun. But it keeps me from covering trip. some stuff I want to cover. Um, no, but uh, I just got to talk to Brandon for the first time post game tonight, and it was just kind of it. W- it took me back by just like. Rem- seeing how kind of like his boyish good looks and like his like his his voice is still pretty kind of like yeah it's like yeah you you get a sense of how young he is and how much more he still has to experience but like he's a perfect example of again a reason i like covering the twos because he's a guy who you know we know his personal issues that happened last year but he also the bigger thing to me is he was just battling a bunch of injuries and he hasn't really been able to i feel since he's been at atlanta united like really get into like you know playing at his full capability physically i just feel like he's constantly had these little things that have been holding him back and i'm happy for him really now to see that he's finally kind of getting those opportunities but you know it started with the twos and he struggled with the twos like this season. He's you know he's had his moments of to shine, but he's also it hasn't always. It's not always easy for those guys. It's not like they're out there for a joyride. No, I mean you, you think back. He scored that goal in RSL in in Salt Lake in 2017 when they won away. That's a game that Nick Lima just had a shocker. I think Atlanta won that game three yep. to one. Or, yeah, three yeah, three to one. one. And he scores the late goal to put it away. Very well taken goal Nick too Lima. there. Um, Lima's not a goalkeeper. Yeah, it was uh, it was the uh, <laughs> what is um, his name? I don't know. It just escaped not me. Not Robles. Um, no, he's 110. Really good at saving penalties. Um, Nick Romando. Nick Romando. There you go. It's Nick Romando. Nick Lima's a, a winger for San Jose. <laughs> yeah. But you know, you see Brandon kind of find himself last year a bit, and then go into this year. You know, the twos go to Charlotte. 
and they get a draw, a 3-3 draw. Romario has a hat trick. Brandon probably should have had his own hat trick and just had a shocking game in front of goal. It was awful. Uh, picks up an injury. He just disappeared from the face of the earth for a while. Like, I didn't know he was still a human being. Mm. And he comes back, and he just starts playing, and it's like he just found his groove, and he just ripped that starting spot away from – or that backup spot away from Mario Williams yeah. and never gave it back. Um, by the way, good news tonight. Don't know if you saw. Um, Romario scored tonight. Oh, Williams. I didn't see that. He scored the uh, he scored the 90th minute to pull, to rescue a draw against Chicago. Well, that's good for him. So yeah, I'm, I'm hoping it'll playing. be a mutual, mutually beneficial kind of situation. For... If, you, if you view it as a – Miriam for a Mario deal, both sides are winning right now. Yeah, so. yeah, for sure. I thought I just really thought it was interesting to see Vasquez snap, kind of, like you said, just kind of grab that position for his own. Because yeah. I feel like we haven't really no seen a lot of that, and, and it's on to you it. know I think part of that is just the way MLS is set up. In MLS, you have your top players, and pretty much you have your you have your DPS, and then you have your TAM players, and for the most part, those guys are going to be players who pretty much keep their positions yeah. because below that you're getting you have got their guys you drafted from college and stuff so you don't really see i feel like those kinds of position move those movements up the depth chart you know, you know yeah. to, to kind of steal like a football um i think you have to remember with this team as well i mean a lot of these guys we think about players of professionals but when they got here you know tito was what 22 when he got here mm-hmm. Assad was 21 when he got here joseph was 22 23 when he got here yeah, miguel amaral was young I mean, a lot of these guys are early twenties. They are in a they're in a place where you're just then be really becoming an adult yeah. in a lot of ways, yeah. and they have to handle a lot very quickly. Mm-hmm. And you know, Mo Adams comes in. Mo Adams is twenty two. Yeah, you know, a lot of these guys have to handle it very differently, and it's and it can vary here. You know, I mean, when we're covering games, it can be five people in the press in the uh, press room downstairs. It can be twenty. And yeah. they've got to be able to handle it, you know, good and bad sometimes. I think for the most part, they do a really good job in dealing with all of it. Yeah, but it's and it's 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 fun for us to do it every day though. Yeah, and I miss being on the training ground, watching all that jazz unfold. Yeah, watching the training unfold, yeah. the smell of mate in that place. <laughs> yeah. But, well, I mean, we don't even get to sit in there anymore. We don't get to sit in the main oh, building. Oh, section all off. Yeah, yeah. They just put us. Uh, we just have to go straight to the pavilion, so we can't see any of training anymore. Wow. Um, I uh, I was on I was on the communications team case about getting us coffee because for the while they didn't even have coffee in there. Yeah. And this is like me, grumpy journalist, was, grumpy entitled Chris and Chris alone. journalist. Yeah, and he did. Chris got me a Keurig, so thank you, Chris Winkler. Um, just let's just finish this up with some. Uh, I'm gonna go lightning round, a little okay, fun let's here. Do it. Let's just. I just want to talk about the players. Yeah. What they're like. If you could like after any given game, who would you want to talk to the most? Uh, probably Jeff Lerowitz for me. Oh, his yeah. sense of humor is just it 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 it's, it works for me. Yeah. His sense of humor is always good <laughs> to me. Um, he Lero- does. I just I always gives good answers, even if they're kind of wry and smart ass at times. It always yeah. It's always enjoyable for me to get answers from him. He and Brad Guzan both will try to like sneak in jokes in their answer. They'll try mm-hmm. to play it off like it's totally part of the answer, and they'll like kind of. They'll say it, and they'll kind of look around to see, like, you know, if, they, if anybody's picking up on it. Miriam, and Brad will even kind of sometimes laugh at his own jokes. Yes, he will. Uh, he'll kind of just smirk at it. Uh, Miriam will, like, just kind of say something dry-witted, like just a really dry joke, and he'll just kind of stare into your soul until you crack. <laughs> That's always fun, just to watch this. It's like, oh, someone said something? Let's all watch him and see if he breaks. <laughs> okay, he didn't. Go ahead. Carry on. Yeah. Um, well, I... I I feel bad, like, I don't want to, 
I shouldn't ask, like, who would you least want to talk to, but how do we phrase this a little bit better? I mean, nobody wants to talk after they lose, and so, I mean... That's true. It's, it's one of those things... Um, Nagby's hard to talk to because he's so soft-spoken. He's, I have to literally put the microphone... I have to put a phone or a microphone literally in his mouth. Yeah. And I feel bad because I feel like I'm invading his private space just because <laughs> he is so soft-spoken and he's so casual about everything. It's it's kind of hard to get, like, legitimate audio out of Darlington Nagby. I just... Yeah. Like, what did he say? He said this. You don't have a recording? <laughs> right. No. Yeah. Well, no, we don't. It's funny. I was, I was actually just telling... He's... he's he can be okay for radio because he gives you the perfect 10 second clips. Yes, he You know, does. like he just stops at 10 seconds, so it's yes. perfect for updates. Um, tonight, for example, he was like, Doug asked him, he was like, Do you remember when uh, you last scored? And I think for most players, even if they don't score often, or especially if they don't score often, they remember. Every goal is memorable. I don't think so. And except for Donington. <laughs> He was just like, he was just like, um, and like the whole scrum came to a standstill and he was like, uh, Doug was like, it was two years ago. He's like, okay. Um, do you know like when two years ago (laughs) we had, we went into this like long dialogue, like in August, uh, he's like, yeah. And at the, it just concluded with like, yeah, I don't remember. (laughs) So yeah, I mean, there's not really a player that's not fun to talk to. It's, It's just, I mean, especially if it's a tough game. Like the Red Bulls game a couple of games ago, I mean, it's almost worse than talking to them after a loss because it's points that they drop in. Yeah. And look, I mean, I think it's one of those things to remember as well. If you were a player, you probably wouldn't want to talk about it afterward either. You'll sure. do, especially the veterans will do the thing. They'll get up, they'll talk, but they want to just get out of there. And you'll find that, but then you win a 5 nothing game and, hey, everybody wants to talk right. tonight. And that's to be expected. I mean, they are still human beings. We might assume that Joseph Martinez is an incredibly emotional robot that just scores goals and does nothing else, but they are still human beings. Yeah. I don't. I don't have anything else to talk about. Neither do I. It's okay. But this can. I, I was a. I was initially <laughs> envisioning doing this interview at Fifth Third Bank Stadium when we were at a twos game like either before or after i don't know we can do it again i was i was never going to actually ask you and plan it out i was just going to wait until like we were both like oh you're here let's do it that's fine but um because it's always not i like smelling the beer and the hot dogs and the you know the grills the quiet (laughs) yeah (laughs) in the quiet i'll never get over doing that damn closed door game just because that okay so that closed door game the best part about it is you can hear everybody on the field yelling and at a certain point you hear a very specific raspy voice that surely came from an argentina based <laughs> defender who has a penchant for yelling that was yeah and I, we're like and we're like listen they're like oh yeah that's that's Leandro. that's fine <laughs> And then it just got louder and louder as the game went on. Yeah. It's great. He's, he's good to talk to. He's, oh, he's, he's a, a really fun guy to, to talk to. And I, I, I appreciate that he's now, he like he basically gives all his interviews in English when he's talking to English media, in Spanish when he's talking to Spanish media. Uh, yeah, he's really good. But yeah, I, I do remember I could hear him over the, the stream, hear his voice. So, all right, well, we can wrap this up now. Okay. Um, thanks for coming in and talking, and we will see each other again, I'm sure, this season soon. So. Uh, probably like three or four days. Yeah, probably on probably, Sunday. Probably on Sunday. Okay. This will be going out Sunday or actually Monday morning. So this oh. is go- the timing here is like it's going to be like memento. Okay. So I'm here for it. Yeah. Cool. All right. Sounds good. We'll talk to you guys later.